0: With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi, it's Rob
1: Tyson again from the Dig Deep in the Mining podcast. And today I've got Jeremy Rothall from Cornish Lithium, who are looking to explore and develop lithium in and around Cornwall in the UK. And I want to get an insight into how Jeremy, who studied mine engineering at the Campbell School of Mines, then moved into the banking and finance industry before returning to the mining sector, and now is the Managing Director of Cornish Lithium. Jeremy is going to take his company into the next decade and develop a world-class operation in lithium, and is now going to share with us a little bit about his background and his vision and outlook for Cornish Lithium. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, oh, Rob.
2: Nice to be here.
1: Yeah. Thank you for agreeing to do this podcast, Jeremy, as I'm really interested in hearing about your journey and what's the future of Cornish lithium, especially with lithium being used in various industries like aircraft manufacturing. Um, it's also obviously used in batteries and even the health industry for mental health issues, which I didn't know. Um, so, Jeremy, could you start by sharing your journey when you studied at the Campbell School of Mines and then entered the industry um, before then, moving into the banking and finance industry.
2: Sure, Rob, I will do. Um, so my my journey really started in mining when I was about six years old. I started digging holes in my parents' garden um, for, for water, incidentally, which has a lot of reflection in what I'm doing now at Cornish Lithium. So my father, when we chose, when we uh, discussed which career I should do, advised me that because I like. Uh, engineering digging holes in the ground and we can't say this too loudly but explosives at yeah. the time I he said you should do mining and particularly I was very interested in geology as well I was been interested in geology since founding some fossils in a field when I was probably only about eight or nine so I went to cambon School of Mines I'm absolutely delighted that I did that because it was the best thing that I've ever done um it was a great mining school and it's still one of the top uh, mining schools in the world.
1: How long ago was that? Just so was, the audience knows.
2: Yeah, I I, I started uh, Camborne in 18, 1982 and left Camborne after a three year degree at nineteen eighty five. So, yeah. um, I then decided to go um, into the mining industry. Worked in the South African gold mines uh, for three years um, underground and in in a very difficult um, conditions because it was the first trackless, fully mechanized trackless operation extremely hot, very diff- very dangerous, but it was a very, very, very good experience. And then um, one day, a, f- a friend of mine who was younger than me came back from Camborne to, to South Africa. Uh, he was staying in one of the top hotels. I asked him what he was doing. He told me he was a mining analyst. And I thought, that sounds good for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> so so I determined to um, start as a career as a, as a mining analyst, not really knowing what that was at the time, yeah. But um, Started really uh, at Casanova, um in you know as a as a mining analyst, uh, and then moved on from there. Really um, doing Australian broking, doing a lot of work in South Africa, um, and ended up heading up UBS and, and deutsche's Eventually, Deutsche's global mining team. So, and then until recently, I was working as head of uh, global mining at Investec. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I work in recruitment and. No, I don't see too many people going into the banking and finance industry. Although I have come across a few people since the downturn, say since about two thousand and twelve, I have come across probably half a dozen candidates that have actually looked to go into the uh, banking and finance industry. Right. So it's not uncommon, but it's not necessarily common.
2: No, it's it's a it's a challenging um, route, and I think it's more challenging now than it was when I when I started. Yep because that people were seeking, you know, mining expertise um, and understanding. Um, now that the downturn's happened and it's still arguably still not great in the mining industry, it is a pretty challenging thing to do. Yeah,
1: yeah, certainly. So what what would you say the main differences uh, are between the banking and mining industries?
2: I, th- I think really the differences between mining and the mining industry and the, and the finance industry are, are multiple. Um, obviously, one is based in the field, but there are some strong similarities as well. Whereas uh, my career, when you get older in the in the mining industry, you get much more involved in finance and looking at NPVs, finance um, feasibility studies, that type of thing, and obviously that has strong common ground with the investment banking industry. But really, it's, uh, the the biggest um, pleasure about the banking industry is is enabling people to fulfill their dream raising, them money, uh, raising the money raising the industry money to do to build mines it's it's a it's a fantastic career and I've, I've enjoyed every bit of it
1: yeah and obviously obviously mining obviously mining as and trying to build a operation and trying to build a company a lot around finance and obviously i hear people in the market at the moment and it's that's it's obviously a bit of a struggle to try and f- raise finance at the moment very difficult so what what would you say the different types of people that you found, say, in mining compared to, to the banking or finance industry?
2: Well, I, th- I think that if you in the financial industry, you've got to, and you're financing other people's minds, you've really got to be um, both an optimist and a realist. Yeah. And I think um, the industry, the mining industry, when you think about it, really, as I've always said, is really about finding buried treasure, like we all yeah. want to from from small children. It's exciting. Um, and really, um, I think that it, it, enabling people to do that and, and helping people to do that is, is, is the most exciting
1: thing. Yeah. really. And what would you say the the, the culture is as well? Because obviously, people may think of banking as uh, as a particular type of culture. And I I'm, I'm obviously aware of the mining culture. Yeah. What would you say the main differences in terms of the culture with, when you're with in an organisation?
2: I think that um, in the finance industry, you've got to keep an eye on so many different commodities, so many different projects, trying to see where things could be helped. Or, or you know, as an analyst, you've also got to be thinking about being critical of mining yeah. companies. Um, as a mining company, you're you're focused on one operation or maybe a few if your company's bigger, yeah. and you're solely really focused on them and those particular commodities. Whereas a mining analyst or financier, really, you're focus on everything. Yeah, you've got to keep an eye on the uranium price, the coal price, gold price, copper price, everything else, yeah. and on global economics, global politics. All of those things overlay um, what you do as in the finance industry. I think that's that's great. You've got yeah. to be up to date with world affairs. You've got to be up to date with currencies uh, and and all that sort of stuff. Whereas yeah. in mining, you're you can. I think that some people get sidetracked into a one street you know just focus on on their operation itself yeah and
1: obviously you went into the the finance industry and you were there for a period of time so when you entered how far did you get to to in the mining uh, in the actual finance, in the finance industry and, well
2: i got to uh, i i think as, as high as i could have got i mean i got to lead um the deutsche bank global mining team which was at the time the number one ranked mining team in the world it was probably one of the biggest as yeah. well um, so, I think I got as high as I could possibly get yeah. without getting into general management, which I certainly didn 't want to do. I yeah. love mining I, I it is in my blood and my DNA, so I really um, i didn 't want to go any into general management that would not have been inspiring at all.
1: yeah, probably goes on to my next question. I mean was there any time during your banking days that you wished you were actually on a mine site?
2: many many times, but you know I had the advantage of with a financial career of traveling around mine sites all over the world yeah. and interfacing with you know many many people um managing directors taking them around to meet investors and right down to the people driving uh, a machine talking to them it was an immensely satisfying uh, career because you yeah. felt you were trying to help you were trying to you know help them raise money but also try and um, present themselves in the best possible way
1: yeah and um what important thing is would you say that you took away from the banking industry that you've now used in the mining industry?
2: Many, many things I've taken away from the, my career in the finance industry because um, for a start, if I was going to try and do what I've done with Cornish Lithium without my background, I don't think many people would have taken me seriously.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, I
2: think it's been an immensely helpful thing. Some of the people who have invested in us are actually people I've met during my career. Yeah. Um, and also, I've got the skill set to do both the financial side and the uh, geological side because yeah. I am very enthusiastic amateur geologist. Um, hence, this interview's taking part in yeah. the, place in the uh, geological yeah. society. And
1: what a lovely building it is! It is a
2: fantastic building. Yeah. And we, you know, so really, I think that, that that I have a unique, almost a unique skill set, having the um, knowledge of geology, mining having done that, not unique, it's not unique, but it's it's, it's very helpful for what I've done. Um, and the co- you know combination of that and also the understanding of how the finance world works, what investors look for, how to a- approach investors, um, how to be enthusiastic about your project without being disingenuous, all those sort of skills I think I picked up
1: in yeah. my career. Is there anything you would have done differently?
2: Um, I did think about that for a long time. I mean, I think... One thing I would have done differently, um, in 2001, I left uh, investment banking to go and do mountain rescue in the Lake District for five (laughs) years. Uh, In hindsight, that was probably not the best idea, (laughs) uh, right at the peak of my career. Um, And I ran an outdoor clothing shop um, in Coniston in the Lake District. That was a mistake, uh, but I learned very much that you should stick to the knitting. If you understand one industry i.e. mining in my case, I should have stuck to that. I shouldn't have gone off and tried to do something yeah. different. So that was a big, big lesson to me. and But it taught me you know, valuable things. Yeah.
1: Why, why did you make that decision?
2: My grandfather was um, one of the first mountain rescue leaders and okay. in the Lake District. And my, I was born in the Lake District. I wanted to go back and give it a go. Yeah. But it, in hindsight, not a great idea. I don't recommend it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had to give any advice to someone that is or may have just maybe studied mine engineering or geology, may have got some experience out out on site, but looking to potentially go into the banking and finance industry. Is there any advice that you could give them?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's very, very important. That if you want to go into the finance industry, you do need to do what I'd say was a conversion course like the Imperial College um, Royal School of Mines, yep. um, financed master's degree, because that gives you the bridge between mining knowledge and financial knowledge, yep. evaluation of projects, feasibility studies, NPVs, that type of thing, which otherwise you wouldn't have. And I think that is, I give you know many people advice to do that course. It's an yep. excellent course or to do a masters in, in mining together with a, with an MBA at the same time, if you can. Um, that you have to have the mix otherwise don't don't try and do it and
1: obviously those skills you won't learn through a conventional mine engineering degree or geology degree so not as much
2: as you need you you do you touch in my degree we touched on mpvs and stuff but not enough you know you really do need to know uh, how to do that and obviously also take a great interest in the financial press um running your own model portfolio um and, and all that type of thing and show, you know, the most important thing in anybody is, is to sh- show enthusiasm, dedication to what you do.
1: Yeah, certainly. And I think that's probably in anyone's, um, whatever career you are in, it's all down to enthusiasm. Absolutely. How keen you are, um, yeah. how you can overcome challenges and by, by showing those attributes, yeah. you're going to get further. Absolutely. What you decide to do.
2: When I interview somebody and they come up and it has happened many times, I usually ask them, um, The same questions you've asked me, actually, (laughs) Rob. Um, What took you into mining? And it'd be amazing how many people said, oh, I don't really know. I don't know what I'm doing. And you just think, actually, I've got 10 other candidates who do know what they want to do. And that you go to the bottom of the pile. So enthusiasm takes you an awful long way.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes you have to have a clear vision and direction. It may not necessarily be where you end up. Absolutely. But if you know where you want to get to, um, it's it's all part of the journey. Yeah. Um, so for any uh, graduates out there, um, obviously, please take note. Exactly. Um, I want to go now on to um, obviously moving away from your um, early days. I want to go now more into um, obviously Cornish Lithium. Um, I wondered if you could obviously tell us how you uh, why and how you actually got started.
2: Sure. I mean, Cornish Lithium started in early 2016 when I became very interested in. Um, electric cars particularly and what a massive difference they're going to have uh, to the mining industry and the commodities that we need for those cars and in fact you know as you as we move on we realize just how much the battery evolution will change so many yeah, aspects certainly. of our life you know but you know it will change the mining industry the electric car uses four times as much copper as a conventional car but importantly um, obviously electrical car electric car battery uses lithium cobalt nickel and all sorts of other commodities, which um, the mining industry, in my, in my view, is ill-prepared for at the moment. Um, we may be able to go on to that a bit more later on. Yeah. But how did the business start? It was when I was walking to work one very dark a winter's morning, thinking about all this stuff and thinking about Sirius and the fact that somebody had found a huge uh, polyhalide deposit yeah. in the UK, you know, right under our feet, yeah. And I wondered if there's anything else out out there which we hadn't discovered, and remembered that a friend of mine had told me when he was trying to restart the South Crofty mine in Cornwall that they had many many things in that mine, including uh, indium and other commodities, but particularly he mentioned lithium coming into the mine at depth uh, in 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 water in brine, and I, I googled that. I wish I could told you it was deep research, but it's actually Google yeah. found out that there were many recordings of lithium in brine in mines across Cornwall, right from nearly Truro, right to, to Cambon, um, and started getting very interested, looked up to see whether you could extract this stuff, found that there'd been modern uh, processing technologies developed which can extract it without using solar evaporation. Um, if I had a pound for every time people have asked me whether solar evaporation will work in Cornwall, <laughs> I'd be a rich man, <laughs> because obviously it won't. I lived there for a long time, it rains too much. but So that new new, new technologies can extract uh, that lithium from brine. And really, that's an example of how um, a new technology can be disruptive, potentially. So what I I started thinking then, how do I lock up uh, large areas of mineral rights? Um, Met the CEO of Strongbow, who's an old friend of mine, and we discussed whether I could have rights over his entire mineral rights portfolio for lithium in brine. We got that deal done. We got a deal done with... Um, the Trigothnan Estate, which is one of the largest landowners in Cornwall, and also with another um, landowner, extensive mineral rights holder. So we've now got 300 square kilometres and and more, in fact, of of mineral rights over over for Brian in Cornwall. So that's really how it got started. Um, And then in August last year, we managed to raise our first million pounds from investors who um, are mining stalwarts, really. They know what they're doing. Um, they've been hugely helpful to us. Well, it's not just the money; it was also the expertise and, and the help. Um, so that's really how the company got started.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how you how you came across that idea just just by obviously just walking and having to think about yeah. certain things and and obviously things in the industry and um, just then now turning it into reality. Yeah, which is um, which is I suppose pretty unique. I mean, mm. if people out there looking to Develop new operations. Sometimes they're going into existing operations and changing them, but actually yeah. now starting a complete new operation in a new in a new area, especially in the UK, where there is obviously limited mining, is yeah. um, quite inspirational.
2: Well, thank you, no, I mean, it's, it, it's been a fantastic journey, and what is really interesting about what we've done um, is that as we've we've looked at the ground using modern um, three dimensional digital software, GIS, um, putting every, all the pieces of the jigsaw together. We've seen huge opportunities in base metals as well that really were ignored because the mining techniques didn't exist in those yep. days. Um, mining, since the shutdown of mining in Cornwall in 1998, the last mine shut in 1998, um, and really the industry shut down in nineteen eighty five. Mining industry has moved on hugely and, and new modern techniques just simply haven't been applied there. Yeah. Um, so we really are very excited about what we're seeing in corn.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. So how have you grown the business since those few years ago um, in terms of obviously what, where, from where you were to where you are now, people that you've brought on? So how far have you have you grown and are you on target?
2: And we, um, we're ahead of what I'd say was on target. We We grew the business by... A lot of serendipity, basically. Yep. We, um, our office manager and head of exploration in Cornwall, Chris Harker, and I crossed over at Camel School of Mines. He went there a year earlier than me. He is an expert in um, geothermal and hot underground hot springs yep. in Cornwall. Lived there since he left the School of Mines, and really, he w- he was the sort of foundation member of staff, and really agreed to work with a crazy guy who used to come from come from the <laughs> finance industry in <laughs> London. Um, and we've also hired a team of really, really fantastic uh, young geologists who, who really are making things happen. And and particularly, um, most of well, all of them, I'm sure, have been very familiar with digital technology. That yeah. is the most important thing. You know, the, the development of, of the ability to see things in three dimensions on the screen, spin it round, that's just not been applied in Cornwall before. Yeah. And so we've now got seven full-time geologists in Cornwall, We've, got a, we've expanded our office three times um, since it's, it's started. And really, you know, we're very much on target looking, as I said, for lithium in brine. That's our main focus. Yep. But we're also looking for the potential for geothermal energy, which uh, will be two geothermal holes drilled in, in, in the very near future in Cornwall. But there's, there's huge potential for more. And then the opportunity to look at um, base metals deposits yep. as well, which is, yep. you know, amazing
1: yeah and a little bit about lithium um I'd done a, a little bit of a Google research earlier and obviously looked at uses of lithium yeah. and like I mentioned earlier in the introduction, using uh, aircraft manufacturing yeah. um, obviously used in batteries, which yeah. is probably where most of the lithium will probably develop and um, and also in uh, I didn't realize in mental health in that's certain right. um, certain i suppose um, medicines that's
2: right absolutely. Um, well, lithiums a really interesting uh, commodity. It was first uh, discovered in, or identified in about 1832, I think. I'm not sure exactly, but about that. And then interestingly, it was found in Cornwall in these hot spring brines in 1864, which is a long time ago, um, and it was really a historical a curiosity at the time. But um, the professor of chemistry at King's College remarked on how important it could be. And obviously, lithium now is predominantly used, um, it's roughly 50% in in batteries now, but a lot of it's used in ceramics, um, in Pyrex glass for your your, um, gravy jug, your ceramic cooker top and your induction hob, that sort of thing. But, you know, really the the massive and dramatic change that's coming is from electric cars and, and interesting also power storage batteries which will change the shape of electricity distribution in the future, where you can store renewable energy from a wind farm or a a solar farm into a battery and then distribute it um, at night when obviously the sun's not shining. So um, lithium is going to be one of the most important commodities the mining industry has to cope with over the next 20 years. And at the moment, we're probably in supply-demand balance um, depends on who you talk about, but by 2025 demand will have grown from about 220,000 tonnes right now to about 800,000 tonnes at that time, possibly more. Yep. Um, and, you know, never has the iron industry had to ramp up to that sort of level of increase of in demand. Yep. Possibly during the China uh, industrialization period between 2002 and 2008, but that was across a lot of commodities, but this is one very difficult commodity to extract. It's, it is common, um, it, it occurs very commonly in the Earth's crust, but it is not common to find economic concentrations of lithium. Yeah, that's the diff- difference. Yeah. Um,
1: what major problems or hurdles have you uh, sort of come across? I imagine you would have come across quite a few. Yeah. What are the sort of major problems that you've uh,
2: with, with the project? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are there are hurdles to overcome. One is that we will have to be drilling quite deep. We're probably going to be drilling down to. Um, about 800 meters um, and then extracting water from that, that depth, putting it through a new processing plant. Obviously, those technologies are relatively new, but there's now about 10 of them. We're also working with various UK universities on tackling that problem. Um, but I think it's achievable and, and, and doable. Um, interestingly, one problem we haven't come across is any uh, massive environmental opposition? Okay. Because it's a, 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 a very green project. You're yep. taking it out of water, deep down, not digging up anything really, and then putting it back yep. to having taken out some valuable uh, elements. So, um, and I think that in this, it's very interesting. In our case, you, in many other mining projects elsewhere, you would find opposition from the government, opposition from the local council. That's has not been the case at all. In yeah. fact, the complete opposite. It so have been on your side. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. Cornwall Council, hugely supportive of us and the UK government as well. Yeah. We were great. We were uh, beneficiaries of a big grant for satellite technology from the UK government, from Innov- Innovate UK, of £850,000. By Not a great deal of that actually went directly to us, but what it did do is went to the project yeah. and, and identifying lithium from space, really a, a tremendous project and a huge boost to what yeah. we're doing
1: yeah certainly um any what would you say your major achievement to date has been you know, obviously only a short period of short period of time but what would you say a major achievement
2: um, i think our major achievements is to actually get people to believe that there could actually be a revival yeah. of the mining industry in Cornwall.
0: yeah
2: um really to, to you know the, the fact that the Cornwall council and the local um, enterprise partnership the LEP, are very supportive of mining being one of the key industries that could actually revive Cornwall, yep. the Cornish economy. Cornwall, many people don't realise, um, is one of the poorest and uh, socially deprived counties in the UK. Okay. Um, and didn't realise that. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of people go there on holiday hmm. and think it's just wonderful. But yeah. if you go inland, you can see um, the results of, of economic deprivation. The mining industry was the key factor that's now all gone and so really, the the key achievement is getting people to believe, to start to believe yep. things that previously they wouldn't have done. Of course, we've still got sceptics. Um, they tend to be older and people who, who just, you know, can't see past what modern technology can do, uh, potentially can do. But, you know, we I think one of my biggest successes has been getting people to, to believe and to catch the vision for this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so where are you now? And what would you say the future is? And I suppose looking not too far in the future, but over the next maybe three to five years and where you want to be um, and even beyond that, but where, where you are now, what your, what your um, aims are over the the, the short to medium term?
2: Okay. Well, I think, I think the aims for the company are um, next year. We want to drill some holes to, to on specific sites where we know uh, there's been lithium there in the past. We've got that all digitized now. Um, but also, we we will see the results of this very deep geothermal hole that's been drilled in the in Cornwall by with EU money uh, and money from the council. That's going down to four and a half kilometres. Can you believe it? Yeah, amazing. What <laughs> um, far? It is a long way, um, and we will understand a lot more about the geology, the deep geology of Cornwall as a result. But we would like to be putting our own holes down, analysing the content of that, and finding out a way of extracting that lithium from the brine, and then. Hopefully within the next five years, maybe even in production, producing lithium okay. in Cornwall. Yeah. Um, also, what I'd like to do, hope to see, is people start catching on to the mineral potential of Cornwall. It's yep. still there. Yeah. And we are seeing amazing things. We're seeing also. You know, it's not just us. It's Redmore as well. Yep. Um, New Age Exploration up in 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 the north of Cornwall, who are drilling uh, on an old structure which um, the old miners missed really. And finding some incredible mineralisation there, we also hope that South Crofty will be in production by uh, within the next five years. Which will okay. help us a lot. Yep. We're not critically joined at the hip with them, but we'd love to see that happen. Yeah. Um, so really uh, what I'd like to see in five years is, is us being in production and also a revival of interest in, mine, in mining in Cornwall.
1: Yep, certainly. And I suppose there's, there is a lot of potential there. And obviously people look at the mining industry here in the UK and it is pretty limited, but from obviously speaking to yourself, um, there is a lot of potential and a lot of future in the mining yeah. industry, which a lot of people out there probably wouldn't know about the yeah. general public.
2: Very true. And, and, and to that end, we just last weekend hosted a, a walk um, through Cornwall with a lot of um, very senior people, uh, a few fund managers, people from London, who we walked 50 kilometres through the old mining district and we didn't stop. I don't think there's a single moment really when we didn't see a mine or a shaft or, yep. you know, it was the most incredible experience, even for me who knows them well, yeah. to see the wealth of mining that was there in the past. And all these guys were absolutely amazed at the potential that obviously still exists. Yeah. Because really, you know, if you think that they were, the, the limit of bad mining was really um, the limit of pumping for the steam engine. And yeah. um, we've got these more sophisticated pumps than a steam engine now. Um, you can go deeper. Those mines were never exhausted. Mm. And the mineralization still remains. Yeah. Okay. No, no It's interesting, no modern geophysics really is. There's the Teller survey about three years ago, which did some radiometrics and stuff, but um, there's been no extensive proper geophysics done over Cornwall ever. Okay. And so it's really not unexplored. That would be a a foolish thing to say, but to say it's underexplored is absolutely
1: true. So there's obviously a lot of potential for maybe other companies to come in as well and look look at the region and maybe discover other... Other commodities and absolutely. other minerals absolutely yeah um, okay, well, coming towards the uh, end of the podcast, um, I want to do a, a just a quick fire, quick fire round, so I just want to ask you a few questions that i 'm going to ask uh, every interviewee um, why do you enjoy mining and obviously you come from the banking industry, but you 're yeah. back into the mining industry yeah. what What do you really like about the mining industry?
2: I, I think right from the beginning, as I mentioned when we started this interview was Really, I love mining because of the sense of finding something exciting. Yeah, you know, I think in a lot of people, that the sense of finding you know, it's almost like winning the lottery or something, finding something for nothing, not it's not quite that, but it's that excitement. Yeah. Uh, it's always fascinated me. I love the, the geological trying to unwrap the geology to work out what happened, uh, to make this ore deposit come here or to be there. And I also love the people of mining, yeah, I mean, people are um, generally. Optimistic, exciting people who who will go almost anywhere to yep. dig up something exciting. So, you know, wherever I've been, <clears throat> and I've travelled all over the world, every single continent, and China, Congo, yep. all sorts of places. You find people who are optimistic out there, looking to something and something exciting, looking yep. to change the world.
1: Yep, and it's good that you're doing it here in the UK. Yeah. yeah. Um, who's the most influential or, or maybe not one, or maybe a few influential people. Um, who, who have they been in your mining career?
2: I, I thought about that in depth. I mean, there's been so many influential people in, in, in my career, including my dad, who originally said to me, you know, this is what you should do. Yeah. My chemistry teacher, who uh, um, really inspired me as, as, a, as a young as a young person. Um, he was an amazing guy. But there's been so many people. I think, um, I have to say that one of the most influential people is a, is a guy in Australia called Tony Poley, who okay. who was who started off as an accountant in Perth. He, he had a dream to go gold mining. He is now one of Australia's richest men. He's been amazing, pure determination, inspiration. Yeah. He was a very, very inspirational guy to me. Um, but also, I have to say, um, uh, this may sound cheesy but my wife who's also as a a geologist and mining geologist uh, she's been hugely inspirational to me and helpful to me uh, throughout my my career recently
1: okay that's good Um, is there anything else you still want to achieve and I suppose you've obviously explained a little bit about obviously uh, Cornish Lithium but is there anything else you still want to achieve obviously you've got probably a lot of ambition with with Cornish Lithium but is there anything else you want to achieve
2: um I don't think there's... Any, well, I think what I really want to achieve is, is a recognition of the potential of Cornwall. Yeah. Um, I passionately feel that there is a lot of potential there, and I, I want to see that happen. I want to see geothermal energy happen in Cornwall. I want to see uh, lithium extraction there, but I do want to see, you know, potentially hard rock mining come back to Cornwall yeah. and, and to people to believe that that's not a foolish idea. Yeah. That, you know, it, it, there's so much potential... It's almost like a national sport for the uh, people of Cornwall. yeah. Uh, And it would be great for pride and for the culture of that place, which has been mining dependent for, it depends on who you believe, 4,000 years or something like that yeah. to come back. And that's what I'd love to achieve. And
1: I suppose it's your your vision and why you started this and actually seeing that vision come to reality.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Where do you see the future of mining? Obviously, we've just been through... A, um, a recession and i believe we are slowly coming out of that and i suppose more focusing on the uk
2: yeah okay well i i, I think mining is on a real uh, inflection point because after the 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 craziness of of 2002 2008 and possibly even 2011 when china re- re-industrialized yep. you saw a total interesting dynamic. The, the sad thing is, the mining industry, uh, towards the end of it, developed everything with debt and yep. and, and has reaped the consequences ever since. Yep. So, that massive downturn, which is unprecedented between 2011 and 2016, longest bear market almost anyone can ever remember. And I still think we're suffering from the consequences of that right now. Yep. You know, exploration hasn't really picked up yep. that much. Um, but what we're seeing now with with what's going on in the US, what's going on in the UK with Brexit is a new focus on the fact that critical raw materials are important. Um, China has locked up completely correctly, in my view, all the critical metals have locked yep. up a huge amount of lithium, possibly 70, 80% of lithium. They've locked up most of the cobalt. They can see the future. They can see that electric cars are coming. They want to dominate that. They want to basically kill off as far po- as possible the Western car industry. Yep. And the Western currencies has just woken up.
0: Yeah.
2: And the Western economies have just woken up. What Donald Trump's done, whether you believe in his politics or not, not for debate today, yeah. um, whether you believe in Brexit or not, not for today, but it has focused people's minds on critical metals that you can't buy in Sainsbury's. Yeah. You know, you can't buy it at the supermarket. So you're beginning to see the, the, the governments around the world focus on that. But at the same time, you've also had the development of digital modelling uh, in, a, in a much better way than it was capable before. GIS, which has transformed what we're doing in Cornwall. I can't tell you how, how much. Yeah. Um, and also um, the advent of new processing technologies that simply weren't there before. They've come together, and as I said, I call it conversion. Really, all those technologies, that recognition of raw materials, come together at the same time to provide a unique opportunity for the UK to re-examine what potential we've actually got here. Mm-hmm. If the guys are serious, can persuade people, yeah. then lots of other entrepreneurs out there can do the same.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned uh, China. Um, they're producing, obviously, quite a lot of uh, minerals. Um, do you think they will just keep it in-house for a while and then release it out to the market when prices are, obviously, a lot better?
2: Absolutely. Very, very, very good question. I yeah. mean... You might have said they would have done before China, before the, the, the recent tr- uh, trade war. Yeah. Um, I think that will change attitudes in China a lot to say, look, you know, we're going to keep it for ourselves. Yeah. They want to develop a car industry uh, based on electric cars. They want to dominate uh, that. They want to dominate manufacturing. And they've already, they've already thought ahead, yeah. years ahead of us. And, and locked in those raw materials so i, I don't think that they'll be that magnanimous yeah they will do it to keep their to produce their own batteries yeah, value-added sure. products
1: yeah. understand yeah um and of so lastly any advice you'll give any mining professionals um in the industry to sort of develop and better themselves
2: yeah i i, I thought about that as well and i thought really i think the biggest piece of advice i can give to anybody looking to do that is to be, to realize that the mining industry is a small place. Yeah. Never ever be unfriendly to people yeah. you, unless you can really not stand them. Yeah. But even then, then just try and keep your tongue, be friendly to people because you never know next minute, they will be the CEO of something and, yeah. and, and, you know, always do that. And the other thing is to be positive. If, if, at all positive, enthusiastic, and positive, it takes you an awful long way. Yeah,
1: certainly. When we spoke about that earlier, um, and lastly, any advice that you'll give any uh, mining professionals that may be entering the industry um, to all in, in order to sort of develop and better themselves.
2: Yeah, I think I think really um, the overriding, uh, overarching piece of advice I give to anybody in the industry is always remember that it's a small industry. Yeah. Not to. Um, to always be positive and friendly to people because they may turn out to be the next ceo of a company that you want to finance if you're a finance guy or really just remember this a small world yep. try and be positive a lot of positivity goes a long way also whenever you're looking at a project or looking at, um, try to be do your homework before you criticize that's yep. one very very important thing that i taught myself that before criticizing something, make sure you know your facts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I meant, um, I've been in industry for nine years now, um, and work on a, a global scale and it is a small industry, even though people could be one wow. side of the world. Um, people tend to know one another, Absolutely. um, even though they they could be thousands of miles away. So yeah. I, uh, truly un- <laughs> uh, completely understand you there. Um, well, thank you, Jeremy, for uh, taking the time to discuss your uh, your journey. Um, and if the audience want, what audience wants to contact you, how can they go about doing that?
2: The best thing is to email me on our info at CornishLithium uh, dot com email yep. address. Okay, through our website.
1: Yep, and alternatively, you can contact myself, which is Rob at Mining International um, And if you can put in the title uh, podcast, just so I know it's in reference to this. Um, Well, thank you for listening. And until next
0: time, happy mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org. Or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time... Happy Mining!